Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus again this Lord's Day morning. Good to see all of you here. And it's been a blessing to uh, be a participant in listening this morning so far. Unfortunately, I can't just continue being satisfied in that posture of listening. I must now speak. I was thinking a little bit there, Jerry, about that illustration. You know, I'm thankful that the Lord doesn't um, just stay out of our reach. That we have to try to jump and then try and get a bucket. And then the scripture says, the word is nigh thee, even in thine heart. He doesn't just stay out of our reach and tease us and make us... uh, make himself just about unreachable. Though unfortunately for many, they never do reach him. That is sad, but... I wonder if uh, we all here would have the ability to um, kind of put out here on the on a table, put a table up here, and each of us would have the ability to kind of put on that table some of the um, spiritual battles, maybe inward struggles. I think Tim just hinted at the idea that when he got up this morning, I just got the idea he had to put a little effort into worship. Just for some reason it didn't want to flow like a artesian well. Um, if I remember right, last Sunday, Brother Eldon shared a devotional and he just hinted at I forget even the words he used, but something about that devotional was a study just trying to wrestle through something himself. I forget the words he used, but I just caught that a little bit. Um, If I would put my wrestlings on the table, it would be a pretty good pile. Um, And I don't understand those things, and this mic doesn't seem to be cooperating. I don't understand all of God's ways and what God is doing in our hearts and lives when those 
experiences come, but I suspect that in this room, most of us probably have faced some this week, and uh, if we have to go back further than a week, I suspect we've, we'd have our share to put on the table. Um, life is real, isn't it? <clears throat> I've wondered already what it would be like if everyone could feel completely safe in opening up those struggles, those battles. I wonder what that would look like. Just something for you to think about. Because we all are part of the environment. And if it's not safe then it's probably, we all contribute a little piece to that. Anyhow, that's not my message today. Uh, I'm still uh, working from the life of Job a little bit, and I would be doing that again today. Uh, And one of my misgivings as I was Pondering this message was, what if I repeat myself too much? (laughs) What if I'm just saying the same thing in a different way than what I said the last couple of times? But I trust there's something here for us. Um, So the last message, I raised the question or the, the message was titled, is my life a legacy of faith? And we we uh, looked at Job's experience quite a bit in what he went through. And uh, basically the take-home point in the message was, is our faith of such, a, of such strength that God can allow serious difficulties and we will remain steadfast? In our faith. And that's basically what summed up Job's experience. God was convinced ahead of time that Job's faith was of strength and of maturity that he could allow a very significant test and Job would come through steadfast. And so in the last message, that was kind of the question to us, whether our faith, whether God could in fact say that about us, whether God could put us up to the test and we would come through uh, as Job did. Today, I've titled the message, Why is my faith tested? And we'd like to explore that a little bit. Uh, and we'll rather than just look at Job today, we'll look at several other biblical characters and uh, look at the tests they faced and some of their responses, and then also consider our own lives a bit. So we have, and we'll we'll begin again with Job. 
And the book of Job comes just ahead of the book of Psalms. So if you can turn there, we'll look a little more briefly this time, not taking as much time to uh, read the actual accounts, or, or in, la- in detail at least. Uh, why is my faith tested? Why, is, why was Job's faith tested? And I'd like to again just uh, just look at uh, what God has to say about Job before the test. And that uh, begins in Job chapter 1. And uh, we're going to read verse 8 and also chapter 2 verse 3. In Job 1, 8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And then if we go over to chapter 2, verse 3, we have the second uh, round of this conversation. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. So just uh, just stopping and thinking about Job's life before the test ever happened. Um, God had nothing but good to say about Job. Um, if there was anything negative to be said, God didn't bring it up at this point. Um, God, in fact, really, um, he really put Job at the top of the charts. There's none like him in all the earth. So basically, God is saying there's nobody that surpasses Job in integrity, in the fear of God, in uh, walking with God. Now, wouldn't you and I, in our kind of our natural mind, think this guy is perfect? Why would you ever throw a severe test at a guy like this? He's a perfect character. There's no one else to compare him to, apparently. God has put him at the very top of every living human being. That's what God said. None like him. None that, none is like him. Why test a man who is already perfect? A perfect and an upright man that feareth God. Why test his faith if he already surpasses every other human being in, in uh, his quality of faith? What are some things that we can learn from Job's test of faith? We'd, as we think about why is my faith tested, we'd like to look at that a little bit. But I'm going to wait a little bit to look at that. We'll look at a few other characters in the Bible. 
and come back to that later. We have another character I'd like to think about a little bit whose faith was tested, and that is Abraham. And we go back to Genesis for him in Genesis 18. Now, Abraham's, the account of Abraham is a little bit like the account of Job. There's a lot of information, a fair, a good bit of information given and about his life and journey. And uh, we won't uh, read it all or we can't read it all. So we kind of break in and get uh, look at uh, kind of the high points a bit. So in Genesis 18, verse 16 uh, through verse 18, we here we just again get a little bit of the testimony that uh, God gave of Abraham. Uh, just breaking into the context here, verse uh, 16 of chapter 18. And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And I'm going to stop there. Uh, there we again have God giving testimony to a man's life. And uh, it's a good testimony. Uh, it's, a, it's a testimony that is, is uh, founded in the fact that Abraham had walked with God up to this point. Uh, not uh, in perfection always, but he walked with God. And to the point where God... Uh, yeah, it gives a very clear, positive testimony of Abraham's life. And uh, I'm going to jump over to Hebrews. Hebrews speaks of Abraham and his, uh, in the chapter of faith. We'll be coming back to Genesis then again, but just going to Hebrews briefly. Hebrews 11. Verse 8 to 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. He went out not knowing whither he went. And there again, that scripture uh, encapsulates Abraham's life a bit. His following God. Obeying God when God called, left his home country not knowing where he was going, but knowing the Lord had said go. Uh, verse, uh, verse 9, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Um, Let me read verse 11 yet. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past 
age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So there we have uh, just a little bit of the life testimony of Abraham. Uh, again, one that is spoken of well. Uh, he's, he's complimented for his faith, for his obedience, for his walking with God, for uh, doing what God wanted him to do, when God wanted him to do it. And now I'm going to go back to Genesis 22 and still keep my hand there at Hebrews. I'll come back to Hebrews again. Genesis 22, verse 1 to 3 says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And the, probably the, a better translation of the word would be that God did test Abraham. And said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he, God, said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. And so there we have God giving Abraham the instruction to go and offer his son, the son who he had waited for, the son of his old age, the son that Sarah bare him after she was past the years of bearing. Uh, and God says, okay, uh, uh, now you go and take that son and you offer him up as a sacrifice to me. A tremendous test for Abraham. In uh, Hebrews 11, we get a glimpse into that uh into Abraham's life or Abraham's response. Uh, beginning in verse 17 of Hebrews 11, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. And so Abraham, uh, he obeyed God. He did what God told him to do. He went uh, yeah, Abraham rose early the next morning, and uh, if we were to jump ahead in verse uh, nine of chapter 22 in Genesis. Says, and they came to the place where God had told him, which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood on the altar and bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son, and basically he, you know, he he took the knife. He we get we sometimes see the picture of him holding the knife, just ready to. Uh, offer his son 
the way God had instructed him. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. You think that was a relief to hear that voice? (laughs) Abraham, Abraham, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. You know, we we look at Abraham's... um, Life and the testimony of Abraham, the testimony of his obedience uh, before God actually called him to offer his son. Uh, And maybe we'd ask the same question that we ask about Job. Why such a severe test of faith? For a man who was, had a good testimony of walking with God. A man who was obedient to God. A man who was uh, doing what God was asking him to do. Why hit him with such a severe test of faith? We'll uh, again come back to that later. Uh, Another one. We heard about this one last Sunday quite a bit. Another individual who's... Faith was tested quite a lot is Joseph, and this is also in Genesis Genesis 39. You know, one of the things I thought about as I was uh, considering these three individuals and their tests you know, Job's test of uh, was largely, I guess you'd say, a test of integrity, a test of loyalty, a test of commitment to God and faithfulness. Abraham's test was a test of obedience. He was tested as to whether he's going to obey what God said. And Joseph's test was a test of morals. Uh, all significant issues that we face in life... Uh, and each of these, in their own test, passed the test. So we have Joseph here in uh, Genesis 39. Um, he has been sold and is brought down to Egypt. And uh, well, we'll begin in verse uh, ch- verse one of chapter 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him. Of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. Now the scripture says there that the Lord was with Joseph. And I, I, uh, I appreciate the scripture saying it that way, but I think we all recognize that we also have to recognize that Joseph was also walking with God. 
the Lord was not with Joseph just because Joseph was Joseph. Uh, just because God decided that here was a person he was going to kind of bless in a special way. The Lord was with Joseph because Joseph was a person of integrity. And God could uh, bless him. And God did bless him. And so there he is uh, in Egypt, sold as a slave, uh, was of such integrity that uh, his master just simply trusted him with his entire household. Uh, that uh, that, uh, that uh, alone shows uh, the level of uh, integrity in Joseph's life. Then if we go to chapter 19... Well, we have uh, we have that whole account of uh, of when uh, Potiphar's uh, away and and Joseph is taking care of the house and Potiphar's wife approaches Joseph and tempts him to sin, and Joseph uh, uh, declines and runs away, or he declines numerous times, and eventually when she tries to force him, he runs away, leaving his coat, and then we break in in chapter. Uh, in, in verse 19, it says, And it came to pass, when, anyhow, she raises this false report to uh, Joseph's uh, master, and, and, and we break in here then in verse 19, It came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. Now again, we, we, uh, we read the uh, account of Joseph's integrity. Um, seemed to be very much a man of integrity, so much so that God blessed him uh, and was with him in amazing ways. And what does he get for it? A severe test of faith. He's false accused. Going on to chapter 40 in verse 12. get another little glimpse into Joseph's situation. So he's in prison for his uh, for the false accusation. And in verse 12, it says, and, and Joseph said unto him, this is the interpretation of it. Three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. He's speaking to the butler and interpreting his dream to him. Goes on in verse 14, but think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here as also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. And so we can get a little bit of a glimpse into Joseph's heart there. He is he's wishing for this test to pass. He's wishing to get out of that dungeon. He's wishing to get out of prison. And he 
makes a request to the uh, butler that when things go well with him, he'd remember him and and help him out. Well, in verse 23 of uh, chapter 40, yet did the chief butler, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. And so the the test continued uh, in Joseph's life. And again, we could raise the question, you know, Joseph was a man of integrity. Uh, probably above most men. I uh, I would have to say he he probably passed most men in his integrity. And yet... is the recipient of a credible test of his faith. Why would that be? You know, maybe in a sense we're asking the question, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, that's a question that gets raised quite a lot in life. People raise that question. Why is my faith tested? Why was the faith tested of these characters that we looked at? What can we learn from these situations? For now, we'll just uh, think about a few of these a little bit. Um, first one I'd like to give just a little thought to is Abraham's uh, experience there. And uh, going now to Genesis chapter 22, where, uh, again, we read those words, I think. If we didn't, we will. Genesis 22:11 And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said Abraham Abraham and he said here am I and he the angel said lay not thine hand upon the lad neither do thou anything unto him for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. What can we learn from uh, situations like this? God, God actually says, now I know. Didn't God know before? I think he did. Uh, but you know, Abraham's obedience was proven in the test. Now God knows, even Abraham knows, and I suppose the devil knows that Abraham is a man who is faithful. I suppose that's worth something. Let's think about it in, in Job's situation. You know, Job, uh, God, God made those uh, positive affirmations about Job twice to the devil. And at the end of Job's experience, or at the end of the experience, and maybe we'll just go there again at the latter part of the book. 
Maybe I'll read verse uh, chapter 42, verse 7 to 9, just as uh, we get a we get a God's uh, word on Job again. It's, and it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said unto Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take you seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. So Eliphaz, the Temanite, and Bild, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite, went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And I think I'll stop there for the moment. Uh, you know, at the end of it all, God is still commending Job's integrity. Uh, and we had looked a little bit at the uh, the discouragement that Job faced in the middle of it and the fact that Job acknowledged that he spoke uh, kind of rashly in the middle of his discouragement. But Job uh, uh, says there he repents in sackcloth and ashes or uh, if in verse, yeah, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Uh, and so... God is still, at the end of the test, he's still giving uh, Job a passing grade with flying colors, really. Uh, and the, uh, Job's response uh, was excellent. And God acknowledges that. So, for sure... Uh, Job's integrity was proven in the test, just like we mentioned about uh, Abraham. His obedience was proven in the test. Uh, Job's integrity was proven in the test. It was proven to God, was proven to Satan, was proven to himself, uh, which that's a blessing. Job acknowledges that he learned some things about God in the situation. And isn't that generally the case? You know, even if we come through a test and uh, perhaps we were, uh, you know, we were an individual of integrity and we were walking with God and uh, we might wonder why a test but there's always something to learn. Uh, there's always something. And Job acknowledges that he learned things about God in the test that he probably wouldn't have learned otherwise. And uh, that's true for us as well. Why a test? Because there's things that we learn. Um, maybe sometimes more things that we uh, more than we would wish to learn at times. Um so Job uh, learned some things in the situation. 
And Job was left with the assurance that he had passed the test. And after the test, God could still say, have you considered my servant Job? God could still say that after the test. Perhaps the challenge for us is, could God still say that of us after the test? Have you considered my servant? And then we have Joseph. You know, God had a plan. Why God chose to put Joseph through such difficulty in fulfilling that plan, we aren't really told. But we do know that God had a plan. And uh, like we sometimes say, uh, God doesn't have to give the reasons for why he does things always. Sometimes he might, but he doesn't always. And he's not required to. Um, But God had a plan. Maybe we could ask ourselves the question, does God have a plan for your life and my life? Do you think God has a plan? I hope we all think he does. He has a plan. God's timing was right. Joseph would have liked the trial to end sooner, the test of faith, but God's timing was right on. And then we can ask the question, is God's timing right in the trials he allows in our lives? Maybe sometimes it doesn't feel like it's right timing. Sometimes things come at what we consider to be the most wrong timing. But God's timing is generally right. You know, Joseph's trial, his test, was the result of a false accusation. Can you and I be okay with it if God allowed a false accusation to bring suffering to us? The entire situation that Joseph faced there in prison was totally built on false accusation. A man of integrity, falsely accused, stuck in prison for who knows how long in a dungeon. It's a good question to ask ourselves. Can, can we be, would we be okay with that in our own lives if God would allow some level of suffering that came Because someone falsely accused us. And in our world, those things do happen, don't they? Um, One one individual we haven't thought about uh, yet in light of a test... And we like to give a little thought to it, and that is Jesus. You know, he he also faced tests. Um, 
I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, in, in verse 7 to 10. I'm going to read it in the ESV. In the day, beginning in verse 7, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. This scripture says of Jesus that he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Through what he suffered. Now, we could ask the question, did Jesus actually need to learn obedience? I'm not sure uh, that he actually needed to learn obedience. I think there's a number of ways we could look at this word. Uh, He learned obedience. He demonstrated obedience. His obedience was proven by the things which he suffered. Uh, One, you know, you cannot make a claim ahead of time uh, ahead of of an event you can make a claim after the fact uh and just as it was for all these others so it is with Jesus you know while the claims were would you could have probably made the claim ahead of the fact then it would have probably been true but uh after the fact is when the claim really holds holds uh uh, water, you might say, holds. Uh, so, he learned obedience. He demonstrated his obedience. His obedience was proven through by the things that he suffered. And one can declare, be de- one can be declared to be obedient after the test, which couldn't have been done before. Um, so, um, and as it says, I believe it uses the word perfect here in, uh, in, uh, in verse 9, and, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. Um, he had a perfect track record of obedience to the Father. Jesus did. And so the, uh, the test uh, for Jesus
the test proved his obedience, the test proved his integrity, and, and the same is true for all the, the other individuals that we talked about. And reality is the same is true for us as we face life and its uh, tests. You know, what about you and I? Why is my faith being tested? You know, we looked at a few of these individuals. Does God have something in mind when he allows our faith to be tested? Does he have something in mind for you and for me? Is there something that he's wanting to accomplish? In First uh, Peter... First Peter chapter one verse five. What we really want is verse seven, verse six and seven, but five gives us a little bit of context. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, rejoicing in our salvation, rejoicing in faith. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. And I think, again, that word could be tests. Trials of your faith, as the next verse says. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So, does God have something in mind? Faith is purified through trials, according to this scripture here in Peter. And I think we can say that faith is strengthened through trials. The end goal is, as it's given here, that uh, the end goal is that our faith might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I think we could say that about Job, about Joseph, about Abraham, about Jesus himself, that uh, the test in their lives uh, resulted in this very thing, that uh, they were found unto praise and honor and glory uh, in their faith. Romans 5, and uh, that's probably a familiar scripture to most of you. Romans 5, 1 to, to verse, verse 1 to 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with our God, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. He's saying there that while we glory in our salvation, in our faith in Christ, he's saying we don't just glory in that, in verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations, in Testings, we could say, in 
uh, difficult trials of our faith. We glory in those things. Why would we glory in those things? Because of the uh, chain of events that happens that he describes here. He describes a chain of events that is actually a very desirable chain of events in our lives. It's just the problem is it all starts with a test of our faith. It all starts with difficulties. It starts with tribulations. And that's the part we don't like. But we do like the rest of it, don't we? Experience, patience, experience, and hope. The things that work work out in our lives when we, uh, as a result of uh, facing difficulties, uh, facing tests of our faith. So, why are why is my faith tested? Because there's a lot of good comes out of it, right? A lot of uh, good uh, good fruit, good uh, good things get worked out in our experience. And you know, one of the things to remember, you know, so, uh, uh, I believe I have this scripture later. I think I do. I'm not sure, but I, I'm thinking about it now. That scripture in uh, in Peter. talks about, no, it's in Hebrews. It's in Hebrews. Um, actually, here I have it. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them who are exercised thereby. Again, the afterward is is uh, stated there. And, you know, the one of, one of the things to always remember is that life is, you know, there's tests of faith. But life is not a series of tests of faith, generally. You know, uh, Job didn't uh, live his entire life in the context of that uh, test of faith. If we would, uh, if we go back to Job again, maybe I'll just uh, read the last verse or so of the, of the book of Job. It says in verse 16 of chapter 42, After this lived Job in 140 years, and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. So after this experience, Job lived another 140 years. Um, so life has tests. And in the middle of tests and trials of faith, it sometimes seems like there's no end in sight. But reality is, it will actually come to an end eventually. God knows when. It probably felt that way for Joseph, too, sitting in prison. He, he indicates that some, you know, talk to the talk to Pharaoh. Let, get me out of here. Uh, I'm tired of being here. But eventually those things pass on. And uh doesn't mean we won't face another test. But generally, life is not just a continuous succession of tests of faith, uh, of tribulations, of difficulties. In general, it's not. It does happen at times, and some people go through a lot more than others. Uh, some have lived in countries where their faith is not appreciated and have, you know, faced persecution of their faith. You know, we recognize there's great variations. But, uh, yeah, in general, uh, a test doesn't last forever. And maybe uh, 
just a comment here. I, I quoted Hebrews and it talks about being exercised by the difficulties uh, and it uses the word chastening. And uh, I guess I would dare to say that what I see in Job's life, in Abraham's life and in Joseph's life, I would not put in the classification as chastening. In other words, chastening kind of takes with it the idea of you really need to learn something and God is in the process of teaching you. Uh, not all of life is always a chastening either. And I'm not really coming from the standpoint of a chastening. And we we recognize that uh, chastening is probably a reality that we face at times. And And the scripture tells us that if we aren't chastened, we're... Bastards are not sons, and we'd rather be a son than be a, an outcast. Uh, but in general, I'm coming more from a standpoint of a test of faith, not something that is chastening, but a trial of faith. And uh, we are exercised by those things, just like this scripture says. And if we, uh, if we allow ourselves to be exercised in a positive way, uh, like Job did, it... Uh, Afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So, afterward, there is generally an afterward. <laughs> when there are tests in life, there is generally there comes an afterward. Some somewhere along the way, it's behind us, and we uh, are given uh, an easier uh, run at life. For a bit. Then I'd like to close with uh, 1 Peter 4.12. Beginning in verse 12, Peter says this, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Um, I wonder, I wonder if Job faced any temptation to, to think, uh, what, what is going on here in my life? This is the strangest turn of events that a man could ever experience, it would seem like. Seems like Job would have thought some of those thoughts. But Peter says to us, think it not strange concerning fiery trials. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. And I realize this is again speaking more in the context of suffering for our faith. Uh, and I think it can apply either way. It can apply also in just that the idea of a test of faith that God may allow in our lives. Rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So we're not to be surprised when difficult situations come. Paul says it this way in Second Corinthians 4, verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not on the things which are seen, but on the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. 
So that's uh, Paul's uh, conclusion or Paul's uh, summary for our light affliction. He 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 classified it as light, while he was a man who actually had quite a lot of afflictions. I would class my life's afflictions as light. If he classed his as light, then I guess I'm going to have to find another terminology as light, 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 you know, very light. I haven't been through anything close to what Paul was through. Um, but he says, and the thing to, to, to realize and the thing that gives us purpose and joy in the middle of affliction, it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Um, somehow, those tests of faith work things in our lives that otherwise wouldn't happen. Um, whether we're a person like Job, who are an individual of integrity walking with God, there's always more to be learned about God. There's always more that we can learn about ourselves in a test of faith, like Job did. And, and he repented of uh, what he, uh, when he came out the other side and recognized that in the middle of that intensity of the situation, he spoke a bit out of turn, as we sometimes say. And so, uh, in eternity, uh, these things will look small. Uh, the trials that look big now, in eternity, they will look uh, small in view of what, uh, hopefully, what they have worked out in our lives and the positive uh, things that were accomplished through the trial. So why is my faith tested? I don't know if I actually answered the question completely or not, but at least um, maybe gave us a few ideas. If you're able, kneel with me and we'll close with prayer. Our Father and our God, again, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We are thankful today for this day, for the blessings and privileges of this day again for your mercy and grace that is multiplied to us new father for the privilege to gather and be edified and encouraged and instructed from the scriptures thank you for each person who participated in sharing here today ask a blessing and uh, grace on each one thank you for each person who has come to receive again ask a blessing on on each of our lives that we might uh, have been able to get some nugget of truth for our souls. Father, again, pray for those who were not able to be here and ask a blessing in their lives. Pray for Doug and Tanika and their uh, little newborn. Ask your grace and mercy and peace to continue to rest upon them. Guide them in this trial of their faith. Bless them with courage and faith, with peace to rest in you. Pray for their little one. You know exactly what is uh, happening, what is going on. We pray that uh, you would raise, raise him up to health and to strength and to uh, vitality, Lord. We know that you are well able and commit, uh, commit this matter to you. May your will be done. May you uh, 
be Lord of all in this situation and bless the doctors and nurses and all who have care for uh, in, 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 in the situation. And Lord, again, may your will be done. Father, bless us and continue to uh, give us uh, grace, strength, and courage in walking with you and being faithful. Uh, and particularly, Father, to be faithful uh, in times of tests, times of our faith being tested. So, Lord, again, commit our lives to you. Thank you in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.